a Telltale Pod production. Oddboy, Part 2 Through the deep winter, no one did anything. The snow was too thick, and everyone just concentrated on keeping warm and finding enough food to eat. But one morning in early spring... Some men and boys from the village passed by Mr. Petamiengi's cottage in a horse and cart. They said that many of the stone walls had been damaged during the winter, and they were off to the quarry at the base of the mountain to get some more. We'll need the boys to help, they said. Of course, said Grandfather Petamiengi, and ordered Remus and Oddboy to join the villagers. But very soon into the journey, some of the children began to tease Oddboy. You don't belong here. You've brought nothing but bad luck onto the village. Did you hear that Mrs. Borroday fell and broke her leg? And Mr. Heston's dog became sick and died. And Marjorie Yates! They reached the mountain and set to work collecting stones, all the while telling tales of things that had gone wrong. The worst thing, grumbled Remus, is that he's turned my grandfather against me. I'm the one who fetches and carries. Don't I do everything for him now that he's blind? But do I get any gratitude? No, it's all odd boy this and odd boy that. He thinks odd boy can do no wrong. He's ruining my life. We should take him up the mountain. After all, isn't that where he came from? Yeah, let's take him up the mountain, hissed another boy. We might be able to lose him, and you wouldn't mind that, would you, Remus? The lads wandered further away from the main group and herded Oddboy between them onto a winding path that ascended the mountain. Higher and higher they went, laughing and jeering and shoving Oddboy in the back and tripping him up, as if they hoped he might tumble down the hillside. At first they were on a track wide enough for a cart, and they barely noticed how the path dwindled. It became narrower and narrower, till there was barely enough room to put one foot in front of the other. And then they realised the danger they were in. The boys stopped and shuddered at the terrifying chasms that yawned below. One false step, and they could plunge to their deaths. Ahead of them was the thick white mist that never cleared from the upper reaches of the mountain the mist that no one in the village had ever dared to penetrate, where, perhaps, a magician lived. The boys looked at Oddboy, keeping their gaze full of threat. Keep going, they said, urging him forward into the mist that they themselves wouldn't dare to enter. Go home, Oddboy, they said, blocking his way down. Oddboy stared at Remus. 
Then, raising an arm in a sad farewell, he entered the mist. Remus and his friends stood there for a long time, laughing and joking with each other as if to cover their shame and thinking the odd boy might reappear at any moment. Then they could forget that they had thought of doing anything wrong and could go home as if nothing had happened. But all they could hear was the eerie creaking of a glacier and the occasional trickle of pebbles. Far below, Remus could see his village bathed in a glorious evening sun and his grandfather's cottage on the edge of the forest. What would he tell him? he wondered. Remus gave one shout. Up, boy! We're going back now! So that he could honestly say he had tried to find him. There came no answer. Only a single shriek from an eagle far above his head. The shadows were engulfing the slopes like a vast purple cloak, and the boys knew they must get off the mountain before night. Just leave him, they said. It's not our fault if he falls over a cliff or lost in the mist. Good riddance! He's either in the arms of God or in the lap of the devil. And when Remus remembered Oddboy's violin lying on the bed back in the cottage, he shivered to think it could be his now. Soon people would want him to be their fiddler, and perhaps it would be like the good old days, when it was just him and his grandfather. Come on, Remus said. Let's go! You've been away a very long time, cried Mr Pettinyangi when Remus came in. I was so worried. It was hard work, Grandfather, cried Remus, his voice light and energetic. I'll build up the fire and get supper going. I hope Oddboy didn't damage his fingers shifting all those stones, sighed the blind old man. Let me feel them. He stretched out his hand, but Remus said, Oddboy is unharnessing the cart and rubbing down the horse. He couldn't bring himself to tell the truth. His grandfather would be distraught. So after a while, he opened and shut the door as if Oddboy had come in, and he talked to him as if he were there. Oddboy, ladle out three bowls of soup for us, and then he moved round as if there were two of them. After supper, Remus clattered the bowls and the spoons, behaving as though Oddboy were at the table. Then, as usual, he helped his grandfather into his chair by the fire, and the old man said, Odd boy, play for me. Remus's footsteps crossed the room, pretending to be Odd boy. He climbed the stairs and went into the bedroom. There was the wonderful violin lying on the bed. He picked it up and stroked the wood. He took up the bow and tightened the golden hair. Then he went downstairs and sat where Oddboy played to the old man each evening. Remus felt a quiver of excitement as he raised the bow to the strings. He played a single note. It was as pure as a drop of water. He played another note, followed by another and another, shaping it into a tune. He was full of such joy himself that suddenly, it was Oddboy's tune flowing from the violin. Grandfather Petamiengi sighed with pleasure and murmured the words with the music. 
I sing of a land where roses blow and lemons grow. Grandfather Petamengi had just fallen asleep when Remus heard a tapping at the door. Who's there? he whispered without opening it. That's my tune. Give me back my violin. There was a sudden rustling and flapping of feathers. Never, hissed Remus. Go away. I don't know you. And after a while, the tapping stopped. The second evening, he again deceived his grandfather, pretending to be himself as well as Oddboy. After supper, when the old man said, Play for me, Oddboy, Remus picked up the violin and played. Oh! What a joy you are to me, odds boy. Angels couldn't produce such a sound, he murmured as he fell asleep. There was a sound of insistent tapping, as if a beak were pecking at the door. Who's there? whispered Remus. Give me back my violin. Never, sissed Remus. Go away. You don't belong here. On the third night, Remus talked once more as if Oddboy was still around. He made enough sounds for two and set the table for three, scraping chairs and clattering plates. After he had cleared everything away, his grandfather said, Play for me, Oddboy. And Remus picked up the fiddle and began to play The Song of Home. He hadn't meant to play that tune. He would rather have played something else. But somehow, his fingers did whatever they wanted. Grandfather Petamyangi, who had been relaxed with his head thrown back, leaned forward eagerly with a smile on his face. Marvellous, odd boy. Oh, what a joy you've been to me ever since you came. I hope you'll never leave. This is your home now. When Remus heard those words, all his jealousy returned. He wanted to shout. It's me playing, Grandfather, me! See, I play so well now and you don't even know the difference between him and me and this is not his home! But he didn't say a word. His feelings rushed into his fingers. The notes became edgy and angry. The music harsh and agitated. A fierce, insistent rhythm took over. Stop, odd boy, cried Grandfather Petamengi, alarmed. What's the matter? But Remus couldn't stop playing. Remus! Remus! the old man called out. Has odd boy been upset by anything today? He's playing differently. But there was no reply. The bow bounced on the strings and played even faster, grating, raucous music with an insistent rhythm. Not because Remus wanted it to, but because he no longer had control of his hands. And he found he had no voice. Like Odd Boy, he had become dumb. His fingers scampered up and down of their own accord and his foot tapped furiously. Grandfather Petamengi wriggled in his chair. Hot boy, hot boy, what's up with you? Calm down! You're making me feel upset! 
The old man's feet were tapping uncontrollably. But no matter how hard Remus tried to play quietly and appease his grandfather, he found he could no longer make the violin do what he wanted. And he couldn't speak. I'm too old for this, panted the old man, who had now leapt from his chair and began to dance. He jigged and jogged and bounded and twirled, bumping into chairs and tables. But Remus couldn't stop. The violin seemed to be welded beneath his chin, and his fingers had a mind of their own. On and on he played, though his arm now ached and the tips of his fingers began to bleed. Stop! I beg you! You'll be the death of me! cried the old man, and he grabbed Remus's arm. You're not odd boy! he cried in a voice of horror. Who are you? Is it you, Remus? Have you tricked me? His sightless eyes stared, as if he could force himself to see. Stop! Stop! He came into our home! Remus howled through the notes of his violin. You think he plays better than I do? You love him more than me? I hate him! And the bow hit the strings with such savagery that his grandfather whirled around and fell to the floor. Remus was horrified. Had he killed him? He opened his mouth to cry, Grandfather, I'm sorry, I'm sorry! But no sound came out. And anyway, it was too late to be sorry. He wanted to fall on his knees and beg forgiveness, but the violin wouldn't let him. Then there came such a tapping, pecking, knocking and banging all around the house and such a beating at the doors and windows. A voice cried out, Give me back my fiddle! The door sprang open in a flurry of snow and feathers, and, unable to prevent himself, Remus danced through into the cold, cold night. Behind him lay his grandfather. Remus was sure he was dying and desperately wanted to turn back, but he couldn't. And with his fingers scampering up and down the strings uncontrollably, he danced away. He danced into the dark forest, stumbling and tripping, but his fingers never ceased playing. All through the night he danced and fiddled, and all the next day too. Day after day, night after night, he fiddled and wondered if he must fiddle until he dropped down dead. His feet carried him to a rushing river, and joyfully he thought, if I can dunk myself in the river, perhaps the water will drown the fiddle forever and free me from the curse. River, river, drown my fiddle, he cried out in his innermost soul. But though he went in up to his neck, the fish in the river leaped and mocked him. Fiddle away, fiddle away, we don't want you. And he danced out again. Another day, Remus saw some charcoal burners stoking up a fire. And for a while, the fiddle danced him up to the flames. Fire, fire, burn my fiddle! His soul wept and pleaded, but the fire seemed to taunt him. It sizzled and fizzled as if ice had been thrown on it, spat and crackled and turned blue and orange, but it wouldn't burn him or his fiddle. Go away! Go away! 
the flames shrieked. You're no use to us. You can be no fuel for this fire. And not one hair of his head was singed, and his violin wasn't even scorched by the heat. Go away! shouted the charcoal burners, certain they had seen the devil himself. After dancing through another day and night, Remus came across a church where a gravedigger was turning over the earth in a freshly dug grave. Would he find mercy here? he wondered. The fiddle carried him right to the edge of a deep, deep grave, where they had just laid the coffin. Perhaps it was a grave for his grandfather. Full of remorse for all he had done, he longed to throw himself in. If only the gravedigger could bury me and this cursed fiddle, then surely I'd find peace at last, he thought. Dancing to the very edge, Remus toppled into the grave. But even though the gravedigger shoveled and shoveled, the earth flew out again, as if it too were dancing. And out leapt Remus, fiddling for all he was worth. The gravedigger ran away, howling in terror, thinking the corpse must be a wild and unrepentant spirit. Ah! shrieked Remus with his whole being. What kind of fiddle is this? The river won't drown it, the fire won't burn it, the earth won't bury it. I'm not wanted by God or the devil himself. Who can save me? And still he danced on. Another dawn was breaking and suddenly he passed a wide-spreading yew tree. He heard a mumbling. An old man lay huddled at its base, murmuring in his sleep. It's all my fault, he moaned. Why did I take in that odd boy? Why did I let that violin enchant me and make me think that music was more important than my own flesh and blood? Now I've lost both of them. Oh, Remus, dear boy, will I ever find you? Grandfather? Grandfather! How Remus tried to shout, to scream, to call out. I'm here, alive! You're alive! I'm sorry, I'm so sorry! But no sound left his throat, and he couldn't stop dancing. Then, suddenly, the violin was playing the melody his grandfather loved so much. Remus hadn't meant to play it, but the violin made him. And even as he danced away, the old man with sightless eyes sat up, murmuring the words to the tune he could hear. I sing of a land where roses blow and lemons grow and orange trees float in a deep green shade. With a broken-hearted voice, Grandfather Petamiengi cried out, Odds boy, give me back my grandson! It was then that Remus looked up towards the mountain and saw a great bird wheeling around in the sky. You can have your fiddle back now, odd boy, he whispered through his battered fingers. Take it! Immediately his feet led him to the mountain. Higher and higher and higher he jogged along the trail where he and the village boys had driven odd boy skimming the edges of precipices, along thin paths fit only for tiny hooves, springing from rock to rock like a mountain goat, and still his fingers flew up and down and the bow clawed at the strings, producing the wildest of sounds. 
Remus came to the edge of the mist, as he knew he would, and entered its wafting coils. Even the roar of a cataract couldn't drown out his frantic playing. He danced towards the boiling waterfall, thinking, Now is my end. But there in the greyness, perched like a bird on a rock, jutting out over the waterfall, with spray flinging all around him, was a figure. It was Oddboy. Remus stopped. His fingers stopped. His bowing arm dropped to his side, and the violin hung loose in his hand. The playing and dancing had now ceased. He stood on the edge with the river churning below, and held out the violin. He felt words rushing up to his throat. I'm sorry for what I did to you. I'm sorry I took your violin. The boy didn't move. Then, because he wanted to, Remus lifted the violin back to his chin and raised the bow. He began to play the song of home. Oddboy got to his feet and turned towards Remus. He spoke in a foreign tongue, yet Remus understood. I only wanted to join in. I used to listen to you from up here and I wished I belonged down here with all of you. In a sudden movement he snatched away the violin and in a great cry flung it, spinning into the spray of the waterfall. There was a mighty crack, like a tree being struck by lightning. And the magician appeared, as huge as the evening shadows beginning to envelop the mountain. Is this how you repay me for the wonderful gift I gave you? He roared, and throwing his arms wide, uttered a dreadful incantation. Oddboy teetered to the edge of the plunging waterfall and fell down, 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 twirling and whirling like a falling leaf. He spun as if caught in a vortex and vanished into the watery mist of the pool churning below. The magician looked at Remus and stretched out a long-fingered hand. Come! Remus staggered backwards, away from the waterfall, away from the magician. But just as he felt himself surrendering to the spell, an amazing bird hurtled upwards through the spray. A bird with green and yellow plumage and blue underfeathers and a white breast that glistened like snow. It flew into the magician's face, beating its wings and plucking at his eyes. Away! Away! it cried. Away! Away! It flapped and pecked while Remus threw himself out of the curtain of mist and back down the other side. As he scrambled and slithered down the mountain, eyes fixed on his home below, he heard the cry, Away! Away! and saw the bird rising free above the mountain, and then turning towards the south. The villagers were preparing for the May Day celebrations and the arrival of summer. No one ever spoke of Oddboy again. It was as though he had never come among them. And besides, what need had they these days for anyone other than Remus, who had played even better? than his grandfather had had. But when the trees had burst into leaf, and hedgerows glistened with hawthorn, and violets strewn the path, Remus played, the villagers danced, 
and old blind Grandfather Petamiengi listened with a concentrated smile on his face. And out of an azure sky came a bird with green and yellow plumage, the colour of oranges and lemons, with sky blue underfeathers and a breast of snowy white. The old man couldn't see it, but he tipped his head skyward, humming under his breath, as if it warbled, I sing of a land where roses blow, and he remembered. A Telltale Pod Production. <laughs>